This episode of Tend Her Wild is being sponsored by Revival in downtown Iowa City. Revival is a woman-owned apparel and clothing store for women with a curated selection of new and used vintage clothing. A place where a small group of badass ladies can help you own your own personal expression, no matter the budget. Revival is independently owned and operated by Sheila Davison, who's a fierce advocate for women's health rights. Inspired by the question we ask each of our guests, we partnered with local jewelry designer, Made Community, to create a special earring design called the Door Collection. You can find these pieces in store or online at Revival Iowa City this season. What is your door to your wild woman self? At Revival in downtown Iowa City, you can find our newest collection of wild earrings by a made community. Look for the new collection at RevivalIowaCity.com or in person. Which door did you go through to become a wild woman? You can wear the earrings that match that. Have you been inspired by Tend Her Wild? Well, Kate and I would love to meet you live and in person for a rewilding yoga meditation and healing retreat in one of our favorite places, Nosara, Costa Rica, May 20 to 27. If you're interested in getting away and doing some deep transformative work with us, check out our show notes for how you can sign up. Come rewild with us in Costa Rica. Who were you before you lost your wild self? That's what we're helping you explore on the Tend Her Wild podcast. Through questions and tools around how best to listen to your inner voice, rewild ourselves, and live the most authentic life where we thrive instead of survive. I'm Betsy. And I'm Kate. And we're so glad you've joined us for this episode. Hello, Tenter Wild podcast listeners. This is Betsy. In today's episode, we're going to dive into a topic that rose to the surface this past June when uh, my dear friend Kate and co-host mm-hmm. stormed into my office with her hair on fire. It was the day that Roe v. Wade was overturned by the Supreme Court. Uh, do you remember storming into my office that day, Kate? I, I do. I, I remember... I- I don't remember what I said, but I remember how I felt. Mm. How'd you feel? Uh, I felt like I was kind of outside of myself. I was in utter kind of shock, even though I knew it was coming. Yeah. And yeah, I was furious. Yeah. There, I, I, I do remember that. I was too furious to even really talk about it. Yeah. Well, and that's exactly what you said, because <laughs> I think we were recording a podcast and what you said to me is, Betsy, we have to talk about this on this podcast. I am just not ready yet. <laughs> and uh, I think in that moment, I felt like, ooh, I don't know if I'm ever going to be ready to talk about this. Um, I'm a peacemaker by nature and shy away from uh, really polarizing topics, um, but I have a daughter. We both have daughters. Yes. And I'm feeling uh, more and more the empowering nature of the wild woman. So we have been studying, working, living, uh, being sort of in the presence of this wild woman archetype. That's what this whole podcast is about. 
And I was reading in The Women Who Run With the Wolves by Clarissa Pinkola Estes that she says the wild woman thunders after injustice and she is utterly essential to women's mental and soul health. And this feels like how we want to sort of bravely dive into this topic. Kate as the one who thunders after injustice with her law degree and her understanding of politics and legal matters. And me, the psychologist who has such a strong drive to empower and stick up for women's mental and soul health. So this is what we hope to do today is just create discussion and create a space for us to really talk through this very challenging issue. Yeah. Are we ready? Uh, (laughs) Let's take a deep breath. (laughs) It's a big one. It is a big one, but it's also incredibly important. The elections around the corner. And I hope our listeners understand that we really are looking to look at this at at kind of this macro level because it is bigger than one decision. It's a much bigger conversation. And we as women, I think, have a responsibility to understand it what it means, the implications, and then support one another in taking the action we need to take. Yeah. Yeah, this is a conversation about how we women can support and trust each other. Yeah. That's really, I think, kind of at the heart of what we want to talk about today. Yes. So, Kate, I uh, love having a friend who's a lawyer because this is like totally outside of my wheelhouse. And you have such a beautiful way of always articulating to me what things mean from more of this legal, sociopolitical space. So I would love for you to just kind of, from your lawyer viewpoint, when you heard this news, like you said you knew it was coming. Um, And again, you follow this and sort of the lens of the lawyer. Um, Just take us through a little bit more about sort of how shocking even though it's been building for a long time, why this is such a shock. Yeah, so on, we knew when the decision was leaked in the spring that this was likely coming. And even after that leak, I think public opinion was just, the country was a bit in shock that it was actually going to happen. Um, and on June 24th, it did. So the Supreme Court ruled in Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization uh, that they upheld Mississippi's ban on abortion at 15 weeks. So what that did was really push the decisions out to states to decide. And, you know, when you think about the legal background of this, um, Roe v. Wade was the law of the land for 50 years. 50 years. It's older than me. Yeah. And I think what's really important to understand is that in the history of our country, in the history of all the Supreme Court decisions, no right has ever been taken away by the Supreme Court. Mm. Precedent's been overturned before when the court has wanted to expand rights. So it's really important to understand that how significant this is. It's a bigger issue than just abortion. It's a bigger issue. So it's not just that um, when things get overturned, it's to help the people, it's to expand rights. So this is the first time rights have been taken away after 50 years of it being law. Right. And, and just, yeah. And the, and the power, the heavy, 
the power of precedent. I mean, precedent, there's a, you know, legal precedent is what we can count on. It's the foundation of our democracy. Mm-hmm. And when we can no longer count on that, you can be sure that this is paving the way potentially for more rights to be taken away. Yeah. And it's really important that we understand that as women, because if we just focus on this one right, we, we lose the big picture of what this of means. what this means. Well, I and you know I've had conversations with gay friends that say this is the next step, right? Like right. if women it's lose this right, it's open door to us losing our right to to marry. Yeah. The other thing to to point out is that back in 1973, five Republican justices voted in favor of Roe. Mm. This was not Republican political. justices. That's right. This yeah. was not political back then. This was about the right to privacy in the Constitution. And, um, you know, abortion was the law of the land to the point of viability at 24 weeks. So it was very well-established law. Um, and it was supported by both Democrats and Republicans. And Republicans. So something else has changed in mm. our court system if precedent is no longer honored and, um, and we're also politicizing this issue. And then I, I do want to point out that in 75 other countries, abortion is legal. Yeah. 75. Isn't it in almost every European country? Yes. It's, yes. it's legal. So if other we than, look at Western, yeah. Western culture. And, um, and so when you look at like the progression of society and our, and our world, only three countries since 1994 have rolled back abortion rights in any way. Only three. And the important thing about that is that these were all countries where democracies have been eroding. Mm. So Poland. So rights are being taken away. El Salvador, Nicaragua are the three countries. So there is a case to be made, and I, I think we're seeing this and living in it. We're kind of in the middle of the boiling pot, so maybe we don't know it. Yeah, we're the frog that yeah. got put in before the boiling started. Yeah, But our democracy is eroding. And so when you look at, this is so much bigger than Roe v. Wade, when you look at how um, we're restricting voting in, in our country and the laws that states are putting in place to make it harder to vote. Um, Especially if you're... Um, young, a person of color. Yes. It's, a, it's a critically important piece to this, that we have to ensure that our government represents our people. Because yeah. when, that, yeah. when that starts to yeah. diverge, which it is here, yeah. um, we are no longer yeah. a democracy. That's really powerful. And I want to share this quote that I found in The New Yorker, an author named Gia Tolentino. She said, it's hard to stomach that as women, our bodies are in the hands of legislators who believe that your personhood and autonomy are conditional, who believe that if you are impregnated by another person under any circumstance, you have a legal and moral duty to undergo pregnancy, delivery, and in all likelihood, two decades or more of caregiving, no matter the permanent and potentially devastating consequences for your body, your heart, your mind, your family, your ability to put food on the table, your plans, your aspirations, your life. I mean, that sums it up, right? That our personhood and our autonomy are in the hands of legislators. And I would agree that is the the crumbling of democracy. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And these most intimate decisions being made in a place um, by many, by 
people of the male gender that that right. the consequence does not apply to them, which is really, really hard to swallow for me. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, you know, I, I think when you look at the trend that globally it's been to expand women's rights. Right. You have to wonder what is happening here. Why? I wonder about that too at like a bigger level. I mean, so much of what <clears throat> I've been studying and what you study and what we've been talking about is that there is um, sort of a feminine rising. Like there is a an awareness of how patriarchal culture has clearly limited women, but also it's limited men as well. Mm-hmm. Like it's a, it's a problematic state of mind, right? right? And so you're right. Like as we're becoming more conscious as a culture of the limits of patriarchy, how, you know, how is this also being reflected now on the iron fist coming down against women having rights? Right. Is it some sort of backlash to the awareness of women, the Me Too movement and women having more of a voice and women speaking up? Right. Yeah, there's, there's definitely this, it feels like a grasp at power and control in a way that in our lifetimes we've never seen before. And whether it's a last grasp, I, I think is up to us. Mm, that feels really empowering. And that's, I think, what we want to empower ourselves and anyone listening, um, you know, what we can do to not just turn away from these issues, but to, to that be is, in action. Yeah, that is the challenge. I mean, we're tired. The last oh. three years... Yeah. I mean, we're tired. Women are tired, especially. I mean, we've been educating our kids. We've been grappling with our jobs and trying to do them at home. We've been caring for sick parents. Mm-hmm. We've been worrying about people getting sick. We've had a lot to carry. And we have. now to have this on top of it, yeah. sometimes yeah. it feels like too much. Yeah. God, that was really well said, Kate. And I... Uh, completely agree understanding the trends mental health wise for women we know that women's mental health dipped much lower during the pandemic than men because of all the reasons you just expressed they were often the ones at home doing the caregiving doing the educating of the children still trying to carry on a job in their upstairs bedroom right why the kids are downstairs you know and millions of women have left the workforce right because of pandemic and needing so, to care give. Right. Exactly. In a lot of ways, it feels like we have we are backsliding at an extreme rate right now. I agree. So. Well, I'd love to address some of this from the mental health side. So Kate is thundering after the injustice as a wild woman. And my wild woman stance is addressing women's mental and soul health. And as you already alluded to, women's mental health really suffered because of the pandemic and I will say, although there's no data to back this up, that in the weeks following the Roe v. Wade, so many women in my private practice, even women um, coming to some of my classes and my yoga classes, it just, there was a really heavy energy around all of us. Um, I would say what I've observed is that in general, there's just more anxiety for women. So any woman of childbearing age, right? It's like we've lost what has been a basic human right. And um, it takes me back to your description of when you came into my office that day, you said I was sort of not fully present. It's sort of, I've seen this. It's almost like 
we've all sort of, as a way to protect ourselves, become a little dissociated from the body, right? It's like, this is intense. Yeah, it feels like almost too much to to sit with yeah. all at once. And um, I feel like I've been processing it, assessing it in pieces mm. and over time. Mm. Um, and there are days I'm like, did that? Did that really happen? Is yeah. That, you wake up really in the morning. Is this really? Is, is this, this where I'm is living? Really what's going on in our country? Um, and, and I worry about my daughter. Yeah. I worry about her choices. Um, the idea that my, her grandmother had more rights than she has. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's well, and any woman of childbearing age, what we know about contraception is that none of it's 100% effective, right? So you can be on an IUD and uh, get pregnant. Right. So, um, you know. Well, and that's a, I, I do. Talk about I anxiety think, provoking for yeah. women. And I, I, I think it's fair to say that this has opened the door for even us to be concerned about the right to contraception down the road. So yeah. we cannot ignore the fact that states... Um, and that's why it's so important to vote in state elections. This is um, in these midterms. These decisions are being made at a very local level, and we have got to. We've got to be at the table. We've got to. Um, we've got to vote. Uh, and, you know, when we look at kind of the the long game here, it's the first domino to fall, but I fear it will not be the last. Yeah. And I think that the hard part for me, and this is where my like quest for justice comes in is yeah. that we now live in a country where state lines determine what you get and what you don't get, what kind of health care you get. And so the inequity for people living um, in poverty, women in domestic violence situations, yeah. um, women of color, um, we, we know that our sisters yeah. in, in those yeah. places um, and those states are really at risk. Are are yeah, they they've they've lost so much more. And you uh I've heard you say before, you know, the thing is that a woman of means she's probably still going to be able to figure out how to have an abortion if she needs one. Absolutely. But those sisters that you're talking about and by the way, we are all interconnected. So what happens to one of us happens to all of us. It's very easy to say, well, I'd be able to figure it out if I needed to, but we're all interconnected. The mental health and well-being of all of us is all connected. It's we're one big net right. of humans. And so those sisters, you're right, that um, are in vulnerable communities. We Mental health-wise, we know that unplanned pregnancy is five times higher for women living in poverty and that women in domestic violence situations, domestic violence always goes up. When a woman becomes pregnant, always goes up and in fact goes up for up to one and a half years postpartum. So any woman who's already in domestic violence and gets pregnant, we know her mental health is going to plummet. Her chance of actually being physically harmed, maybe even killed, goes up. I mean, we have to think about um, at a broader perspective um, who, we're, who we need to save, who we need to help. Right. right, we we have this perception of saving the fetus, but like, what about all these grown humans that have lives, that have families, that have other children, have children that right need to be cared for, and their mother may not be able to do that uh, because of the ramifications of having to um, carry another pregnancy, right? And the inequity of, and I think you're right. The the 
reality of what this decision, I don't think the ramifications were clear even to the legislators because what's happening in many of these states is that women are in need of this health care to save their lives. It's a healthcare issue. And doctors are calling their lawyers and their legislators Ugh. and they're they're waiting sick feeling and to make stomach, decisions right? and to take action because they fear a lawsuit or right. they fear that they're violating the law. Women are being sacrificed yeah. right now. Yeah. So it's like we we're going um even further back than even pre-Roe v. Wade days, right? Because yes. suddenly there is now surveillance and criminalization of anyone trying to help women who need an abortion. So I agree. It's um, it's like we've turned pregnancy into punishment. Yes, that's exactly right. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's talk about, because I feel like one of the things we like to do in this podcast is sort of feel into the deeper issue at hand and to um, empower women to do their own work, to, um, you know, uh, take charge of their own lives. And often, clearly, this issue often feels like, well, how do I take charge of this? This is so much bigger than me. But I think one of the things you and I have talked a lot about, which feels so relevant to this is do we as women trust each other, right? The patriarchy is designed to keep women fighting against women, to keep us without a voice, to keep us pushed down. So to me, this feels like, can we trust that our sister has an ability to listen to her own body, her own emotions, her own intuition about whether or not carrying this pregnancy is right for her. Because you may be pro-life for yourself and you have every right. But can you put yourself in another sister's shoes who might have a completely different scenario and think about what might be best for her and her mental health. It's like, can we trust each other as women to make our own choices? And honestly, we've said it before, but the real power for all of us comes when we can. Yeah. yeah. When we support each other, when we don't stand in judgment of each other, and when we trust each other uh, to know what's right for ourselves. Yeah. And so I think that that is the power that we can claim mm-hmm. in the month that's coming up. And I think we saw that in Kansas. Yeah, we did. I have a friend that lives there and she said it was extremely powerful to see women coming together, um, supporting one another. And so I am hopeful that women are in a place more than, in, than ever to say, yeah, I know how I personally feel, but I'm not okay with um, this impacting my sister, my my daughter, my mm-hmm. uh, my friend um, in a different way, and I see the injustice of this, and I'm not I'm not okay with it, right? Um, because both can exist. Both can exist. We all get to make our own choices, yeah. but right? as soon as we lose bodily autonomy, yeah. one one gender loses it. Frankly, we all lose it. Right. It's that fundamental. Right. Bodily autonomy. Yeah. 
So we're encouraging all of us to sit deeply with, can we trust ourselves to make the decisions that are right? And can we trust other people to make those decisions? Can we honor each other enough as human beings that I know what's best for Betsy, Kate knows what's best for Kate, our sisters in Chicago and San Francisco and New York and all around the country, they get to decide what's best for them. Um, I think that this is um, powerful for us to really sit into that. And then I want to bring in our podcast that released last week. We interviewed our first man, Steve Shiva. And one of the, there were so many light bulb moments that came on for Kate and I. We kept looking at each other throughout the interview with these wide eyes like, oh my God, oh my God. But we asked him like um, how to work with our men. And what did he tell us, Kate? That was so powerful. He said, it's up to us to ask Ask. for what we want. Yeah. And what we need. Yeah. And so we were talking today about how that's, we need to do that in this moment collectively. Exactly. We need to ask our masculine allies, our husbands, our partners, our friends, our coworkers, the people that we feel connected to, to really consider and think about, um, you know, supporting women Yeah. in we this need, next election. Absolutely. We need allies. Uh, we, we, we must have them. I mean, it's we're we're in a place now where, um, I mean, I think women coming together is one thing, but then um, having these conversations with yeah. our with our male partners and our friends, um, it's critical. It's really critical. It, it it really comes down. I've been thinking about this. It's do you see me? Mm. Yeah. Because if you see me. You would not want this for me. Yeah. Yeah. I can see the tears in your eyes. I see how powerfully you feel all of this. So it brings up uh, an idea that you brought in today that I want you to talk about. Is that what we need to really find is grounded rage? Yes. I, I came across this term and a light bulb went off. I'm like, that is what I am. That's what I feel. Because I've been doing a lot of work on myself and trying to be grounded in myself and in my decisions and in my understanding of things and living because more from my heart than my head. Right? And because you're one who is always thundered after injustice, yes. a wild woman who thunders after injustice. Yeah. I, I feel like the, the description I heard was that grounded rage is like love with teeth. Yeah. And I think that's incredibly powerful right now. Yeah. Because, and it's, it goes back to the light and the dark, the yin and the yang, mm-hmm. the fierce and the soft. They can both exist. Mm-hmm. And, and love with teeth can exist. And that's, mm-hmm. we need love with teeth. We need love with teeth right now. We need to love our sisters enough that we're willing to stand up and think about all of all of our, our all of our female right. humanity. Yeah, it's it's and this, their health, their well being, their mental health, their physical health, their their soul health. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's incredibly critical. We need women running for office. We need women supporting women running for office, mm-hmm. and not seeing in judgment of women running for office. Right. Um, this is a real shift, I think, that's coming. And 
as hard as these last three years have been, the work is just beginning. And yeah. we have to be, we have to have the strength to rise up right now and, and listen to our, our own inner voices and take action. It's not enough to just passively and idly right. sit by. Yeah, because injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. So that's where we are. Yeah. Thank you, Kate, for being one who thunders after injustice and for teaching me the power of that. Well, and thank you for being able to connect this to really what it is, which is the mental well-being of women. Yeah, the mental and soul health of women. Yes. Exactly. So, Wild Women Unite. Yes. Keep thundering forward. Yes. Thank you. Thanks, Betsy. And now the amazing singer-songwriter, Lissy Morris, with Wild West. Thanks for joining us today. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. Come back and rewild with us again next week. Bye.